Show on the Tuesday. Headed to San Antonio here in uh, one hour. One hour from now. I'll be on the road. I'm going to swing by and pick up my man Plank's show. I'm looking forward to that, TJ. I will be uh, driving while he is performing hours two and three of the Plank show today in the passenger seat. And uh, that'll be fun. Sounds a little scandalous. I probably could have worded that better. Which, by the way, that will be uh, working on his uh, hours at 5th and 6th of radio already today as he is uh, oh, competing he against us right now. <laughs> yes, he's been on since, I think, 5 this morning. What a machine. What a machine, Chris Plank. By the way, uh, last hour we were talking referees and getting crotchety and all that kind of stuff. Reminded me. So, in basketball, um, we get to – talk to the refs quite a bit. They'll come over during timeouts or before games or whatever. Not all of them, but a lot of them will come over and chat. You know, we see them all the time. And and so uh, sometimes it's as simple as where you're coming from, where you're going to, how's the fam, uh, did I get that call right? Sometimes they'll come over at, like, the next break. What do you guys think? Did you crush, crush me on that call? Did I get it right? You know, some of them are fun. Uh, Jerry Pollard had our game. Who did we play? The last game was um, uh, Alcorn. Oh, gosh. Alcorn, thank you. Jerry Pollard had the Alcorn State game. So it's before the game. He's stretching. He's over there. How you guys doing tonight? Blah, blah, blah. Uh, I was like, hey, you got any more games for Christmas? He's like, nope. As soon as this game's over, I get to go home. Five days. I got five straight days off, which for a referee is, you know, they don't hardly go two days without calling a game. So he lives in St. Louis, so he was excited to get out of there. Um, I said, you know what, Jerry? You know what would be a uh, would be a fun way to get out of here before Christmas? You should tee Porter up tonight. This is before the game. I hope Porter's listening right now. I said, you, he hadn't got a tee yet. As OU's coach, you should send him into the Christmas break with a tee tonight. You do want him listening right now. Oh, I mean, obviously I'm joking. I He's know. laughing. Jerry, Jerry's laughing. He goes, yeah, maybe I will. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll toss him tonight. Now, Jerry had our game in 
Tulsa against Arkansas. Jerry Pollard is the one that tossed Eric Musselman. You remember this okay. game? Yes. Uh-huh. Yep. Okay. So uh, he said, maybe I'll toss him tonight. I was laughing. And I go, like he did Musselman? He goes, yeah, I tell you, I almost gave Porter a T in Tulsa. I said, uh, Porter, you're up 15. Calm down. And he calmed down. He listened to me, and he calmed down. He said he knows, like, when to back off. And so he didn't get a T. I said, what about Musselman? He said, he didn't listen to me. (laughs) He was down 15. I told him to calm down, and he didn't listen to me. So uh, he got he got an early uh, ejection. So anyway, we don't get to do that in football, obviously, or baseball. Sometimes in football, the replay official will get to know because they're up there uh, with us. But in basketball, it's fun to get to chat with some of those guys. And some of them are too, you know, they're there. Uh, just standoffish. Yeah, or we're right. Too business-like. Really, a lot of the really good ones like to come over and chat. And you know, I, I got nothing else to do. They'll, some of them will say, "Hey, I heard your call of this on uh, that game or whatever." Or a lot of it's just travel. Where were you last night? Where are you going tomorrow night? They do like to come over and ask about their calls though later, like not immediately, but like maybe two media breaks later. They'll come over and just kind of stand there and go, what'd you think? Did I get it right? And they're like, fine. I'll be like, yeah, I don't know, man. I don't look to me like he was set, you know, but most of the time they get it right. So anyway, that made me think of the Jerry Pollard moment. He's a, he's a good referee. I'm not saying he gets every call right, but he's a good referee and he's uh, doesn't seem to take himself too seriously, which is, which is more than I can say about some of them. Uh, we got Mike Jorgensen coming up live next segment from down at San Antonio, the Oregon color analyst. You heard that bite with Brent, with Kale there talking about winning a bunch of games with Brent. Here's the full clip of that answer. Uh, Kale was asked about kind of what the last month's been like and what he thinks about Brent Venables being named head coach at OU. It it was a difficult time there for a few weeks. It really was. And uh, the one thing I've learned through all this is, um, you know, there's not a perfect way for this to go down. There's not a perfect way for somebody to take a job and to leave a program or assistance to have to leave or, um, you know, there there just really isn't, you know. And it's just, um, you know, it's a part of it's it's part of the coaching career that that we have to go through. You know, that's like life or losing a family member or something. It's difficult. It's a challenge. It's how, you know, it continues to help you build and to grow and to learn. You know, I've never had a chance or an opportunity to to be a part of anything like this. And, and I've learned a lot. I've really, really learned a lot of things. Um, you know, very thankful for, you know, all the guys that we had on our staff that aren't no longer with us. I mean, everybody that was a part of our staff, they poured everything into the University of Oklahoma. They worked their butt off. Um, but it's, it's, it's been, it's, it's been different now, but again, you know, these, these, these men like to play football, you know, and the best thing they want to do is get out there on that field and they want to play football. And, and it is our job to make sure and continue to lead them and, and, uh, and point them in the right direction. And, um, our team has really responded well. Um, but having Brent back is going to be, uh, it's going to be very special.
you know, having the opportunity to be here for many years. You know, when Bob moves on, you know, the first thing goes through your mind, oh, no, what's going to happen to the University of Oklahoma? Well, you know, the University of Oklahoma was winning a lot of games when Bob was there, and it was winning a lot of games before Bob was there, and it's probably going to continue to win a lot of games after. And uh, Lincoln took over, and that's what we did. We won a lot of football games. And, and um, I mean, I can, I'm going to make this comment now. We're going to win a bunch of damn football games with, with Brent Venables. Um, it, the University of Oklahoma, the football is, is bigger than just one person. It really is. It's, it is truly one of the most special um, football programs ever in college football. And, um, you know, being around Brent, and, and, and everybody knows if you don't know Brent, what you see on the sidelines in games, that's how he is as a person. He has passion like that 24 hours a day. He has passion for his players. He has passion for his, his uh, coaches. He has passion, passion, uh, passion for his coaches' families. Um, and he, he's going to pour everything in. That's how he is. And I've been around him. You know, I spent that one week traveling with him, and we were flying around all over the place as well. So I'm very excited for the future. Um, very, very uh, fortunate to have the opportunity to continue to, to be a coach for the Oklahoma Sooners. Love that guy. One of the all-time great Oklahoma Sooners right there, Kale Gundy. 276 wins as a player and coach. How about that? More than anybody in OU history. 276 wins he's been a part of. And he gets to call plays for the first time on, uh, well, tomorrow night. So it's pretty cool. Pretty cool. And uh, there is, you know, there's some probably misplaced maybe some accurate maybe some misplaced anger or distrust about some guys either on the former coaching staff or the current coaching staff and that's a conversation maybe for another day when when uh, everybody calms down a little bit but there is never or has never been any doubt that Kale Gundy is all sooner, right? Oh, Even no, with no, his no, nobody's ever questioned coach that. Yeah, it's no. Stillwater. Right, that guy is all sooner, man. And uh, that's another reason that I'm pretty intrigued tomorrow. You know, it's going to be great to try to get Bob another win. It would be great for Kale Gundy to get this opportunity. I don't think he wants to be an offensive coordinator. Not now. Not long. Maybe, maybe at some point in the past. I could be wrong about that. But I think now he's. He's happy in his role, in whatever role that is, and I don't think it's necessarily striving to become an offensive coordinator anymore. I think he realizes probably that moment has passed for him. But in an interim situation like this when his school needs him, for him to step up and get a win tomorrow night would be really, really cool, especially if the offense could go out and play well, you know? So... I'm rooting for him. I yeah, think hope he has a big time night. I, I think there will be. What's it going to be? We're going to fake a punt. We're going to fake a field goal. We're going to onside kick it. We're going to have a flea flicker, double reverse. Where, where's it going? Yes. Uh, what's it going to look like? I'm saying all of the, all above. the above. Yes, I'm saying they put in a little bit of everything. <laughs> they, spent, <laughs> they spent all of their four practice days. Working on trick plays. <laughs> Spin a lineman out for a uh, eligible, you know, eligible, and uh, throw a touchdown pass. I, I'm I'm calling for everything. Yeah, um, I do think 
if OU gets a comfortable enough lead, I do think you see an onside kick. <laughs> I mean, if if the game started that way, if and, it starts that way, cares? great, great. If you lose it, you lose it. But yeah, that would be great too. Yeah. Who cares who recovers it? You know? right. I mean, I, I, if if OU started with an onside kick and Bob just kind of grins and winks at the camera, yeah, that yeah. would be yeah. an all-time moment. And when I say lose it, I didn't mean the game. I meant that. Yeah, you don't you don't recover it. Then that, great. I think the fans would absolutely love it on both sides. I think even the Oregon fans would get a kick out of that. So uh, that'd be awesome. Or if Oregon yeah. even started with an onside kick, if they're kicking off first, so I think it'd be pretty funny. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't know about that. I don't know about that. <laughs> well, if OU recovers, it would be great. So, well, if OU recovers and they're awarded the football, <laughs> it would be great. Good point. You got to make that distinction. Yeah, good point. Yeah, we need a break. When we come back, hopefully, if uh, if they were able to get out of the snowstorm in the Great Pacific Northwest. We will be joined by Mike Jorgensen, color analyst of the Oregon Ducks. We'll be back right after this. The Ref Network Studios are powered by the insurance adjusters at Brown O'Haver. Fire, wind, theft, tornado, we can help. Call 405-735-5510. I'm telling you, folks, I'm not just saying this. I listen to a lot of broadcasts around the country. It's one of my favorite things to do when I travel. You guys know how much I drive. I love turning on satellite radio and listening to games. Other crews, coast to coast. Uh, You will not find a better one than the Oregon football broadcast. Uh, They are outstanding. Uh, Hall of Famer on play-by-play, a Hall of Famer on color as well. And it is our pleasure to be joined again by um, Mike Jorgensen, color analyst of the Ducks. Georgie, how you doing today? Did hey, you make it? Hey, thanks, man. Yeah, I finally got here. Yeah, it was it was interesting trying to get. You know, we don't get much snow in Eugene. It does, that doesn't happen very often. So to get eight inches on Christmas night into the next day, and you know, Eugene Airport, they don't know how to handle that. They don't know how to plow. They don't have plows in Eugene, so it was kind of funny how it all worked out. But yeah, I got here late last night, and time to get a football game going. Are we okay to play? I'm seeing some of these numbers for the Ducks. It's a little uh, concerning. Get low. Gonna... Yeah, 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 yeah. It's starting to approach NFL roster numbers, you know, type of situation with injuries and, and opt-outs and, uh, you know, transfer portal guys. And, you know, you start looking at that and you start getting low on numbers. And, yeah, that was one of the things we were talking about last night when we were grabbing kind of a late late bite to eat is, okay, where, where's the number and where's the cutoff and what happens to trigger a type of situation. But, you know, I know uh, I know Jerry and Joey, our sideline guy, are headed out to practice this morning to, you know, take a look and, and see what it says. But, yeah, it's, it's getting down there. It's getting to the point where, uh, yeah, who knows? Who knows? So. Well, I, I mean, I need you to let me know because I'm about to leave here in 40 minutes to head south. So I need you to <laughs> save me. Well, I got your number. Some... I got your number. Okay. I can text you right away if something happens. So that sounds that sounds good. Um, tell me about Brian McClendon. Yeah, Brian McClendon. You know, uh, longtime SEC guy. Uh, 
you know, kind of, uh, frankly, a, a Georgia guy for a long, long time. Obviously, ended up, I believe it was at South Carolina, if my memory serves me right. And, uh, you know, out in Eugene for a year as the wide receivers coach. And, uh, you know, he's been an interim head coach before in situations he's been in or a situation that he's been in in the past uh, in the SEC. And so he's a guy who I think the players, the general feeling was, um, you know, he, he he's a guy that the players offensively, defensively rally around, really look up to. He really connects to him well. And, uh, you know, so he's the guy who's going to lead the way as the interim head coach for this game. And, you know, he's kept people, uh, he kept the, the, the team on, on focus and on point, uh, while they've been in Eugene practicing and preparing for the Oklahoma Sooners and this Alamo Bowl. And, and that's why he's in that position. Good man. I mean, really, really enjoy him. Uh, I know Jerry has had, had a chance, our play by play guy, Jerry Allen, uh, as you mentioned, his 35th year. Uh, doing this, and he just really, really enjoys Brian McClendon, and he can see why the why the team would rally around him, and why they would appoint him as the interim head coach for this game. It's been a fascinating month in Norman. Uh, you know, the, the fan base kind of feels like they got dumped by uh, by Lincoln Riley, and there's been anger. Uh, there is um, there is rejoicing over Brent Venables. Being named the coach, but this is something we haven't been through around here in a while. It's been a very weird lead up to this game, Bob Stoops storyline, all that kind of stuff. If there's anybody that can relate, I would say I would think it'd be you guys. I mean, what what's the last month been like for Oregon football, and and maybe even a better question is for Oregon football fans. Yeah, I mean, I think you just kind of said it right there, and, and we can relate. Um, I, I wouldn't say that you have a, uh, in, in any way, shape, or form, have a bitter fan base with Mario going back to Miami. I mean, he's going back to a place that probably was, you know, of course, Willie Taggart said the same thing right before him, too, going to Florida State uh, after being in Oregon for one year, saying it's the only place I'd ever want to be, and ever could be. And, and obviously Mario, uh, obviously he played, you know, crystal ball played at Miami. So he's going back to his alma mater and trying to get that thing uh, playing at a little better, higher notch than they've been playing that type of situation. So he got his golden opportunity. And uh, I think the Eugene fan, you, you know, the Eugene base, the Oregon base, wherever they are really liked Mario and obviously the coaching staff he put together. So it was tough to see it happen. I think that what left people with a bad taste in their mouth is, is how it kind of wound down towards the Pac-12 championship game in the last couple of weeks, and particularly that last game where you know, Joe, Joe Moorhead was already out the door, hit a Dakron, and, and uh, it felt like maybe Mario had one, you know, a lot of people felt like maybe he already had one foot out the door, so it was a distraction for that game. Make no doubt about it, Utah beat Oregon soundly twice. They were the better team on the field in almost every way in both of those games, and that's why they're Pac-12 champions. Uh, but at the same time, it was one of those ones where he was just kind of disappointing the way it wound down at the end. And, uh, you know, along comes Dan Lanning. And uh, I, I think it's a great opportunity for a guy who uh, people are excited about as he begins to assemble the coaching staff to try to out-recruit Lincoln Riley at USC now. I mean, that's what it's kind of become is those two schools seem to be the best recruiters and get the best talent in the Pac-12 conference year after year. And Oregon has done something with it. USC hasn't. So uh, it's obviously something that Lincoln Riley is going to try to change there down in Southern California. And 
Dan Lanning's beginning to put together a staff that's going to rival it, and those two are going to go at it again. So it's interesting how it all played out. A lot of similarities, no doubt about it. But, uh, yeah, I, I'm excited for Oklahoma getting Brett Venables. I mean, what a, what a fantastic guy and a great coach and uh, with a track record and everything else goes out on with it. I can see why Sooner fans would be pretty excited. You know, Dan Lanning's a name that was in the mix around here. Uh, certain, I don't know if it was – in Joe Castiglione's mix or not, but certainly the fan base was was talking about him as a potential candidate when when this job was open. Um, sounds like you like the hire. Are you surprised they went defense there at all? Uh, not really. No, no. I I, mm-hmm. I think maybe what it came down to, and again, this is just people, uh, including me, looking at it and going, "Okay, Lincoln Riley's offense feels like all about offense. You better come in with something that's going to be halfway uh, is going to." It's going to look like a, a an SEC type of defense to try to defend that and then build up around the offense, too, if you can get the right guys, get some pretty good talent, get some good coaches. I mean, again, he's a young, energetic guy. You know, he won the press conference right off the bat. Um, obviously, I know he's got a job to do in Georgia as they get into the playoffs here coming up and hoping to be able to play two games. And, you know, the, the, the no-contact period comes up from a recruiting standpoint. Everything else goes with it, so the timing might work out right. But you know, he's doing double time right now. Uh, he's working his tail off. I think he's got a bright future. It's going to start Eugene as a head coach. And, and obviously, you know, not there. But at the same time, yeah, he's a guy as I began to get to know him a little bit better. And you start to do your research on him, Toby. I mean, he is a guy that's really well respect, respected for what he's done at the age of 35 in particular. So, you know, we'll, we'll see where it goes from here. But I think there's a lot of enthusiasm. There's no doubt about it. Chatting for a couple of more minutes with Mike Jorgensen, color analyst for the Oregon Duck uh, Radio Network. Tell me the story of the season for Oregon. Obviously got that big win over Ohio State early in the year in Columbus, a marquee, vic- the biggest win maybe of the college football season. But from that point on, kind of what happened with the with this team and with the season? You know, yeah, there's no doubt about it. I mean, that was the marquee win of the season right there. And, you know, they started out 4-0. They, they had a couple of games after that Stony Brook game that they just kind of showed up and, and won 48-7 to uh, with Arizona. You know, they struggled with Arizona, who was winless until they beat, you know, a depleted Cal team about three-quarters of the way through the season. They'd lost, I can't remember what it was, 18 or 19 games in a row up to that point. They struggled with Arizona for three quarters. Ended up winning 41-19, but I think it was a 24-19 game going into the fourth quarter. Uh, you know, and, and so a very, very close game before Oregon broke it open. Bennett Williams with a pick six, and that was his last game of the regular season as he would break his leg the next week. He's going to be available for the bowl game. It'll be, you know, interesting to see how rusty he is. But and then that get that loss at Stanford. It was just a Kind of a weird weekend. They did not play well at all. I mean, looked ugly against a bad team. Joe Moorhead was in the hospital with a, a really, you know, serious condition. And uh, again, that the lucky, lucky there weren't worse uh, consequences to to what happened there. And then Bennett Williams in a walkthrough on Friday, one of the safety that was just playing tremendous breaks his leg in a walkthrough. So you have a bunch of things happen, and they get beat by a really bad team, and that one kind of put them backwards, but. They squeaked by Cal. They had a good road victory against UCLA and when it looked like they were going to just run away from it, they let it back into it. Um, you know, they just were up and down, I guess, to summarize the season. You know, they got just absolutely blasted by Utah and Salt Lake City. And then it was almost like a deja vu in Las Vegas for the Pac-12 championship game where the game played out exactly the same. 
Utah seized control early. Oregon did some things at the end of the first half that were really just, I, I, I can't explain it, frankly, and there's not enough time to be able to do it. But it was one of those ones where they kind of played to the level of their competition. You know, beat Oregon State in a rivalry game pretty soundly. That's an Oregon State game, that the Oregon State team that beat Utah. And so it just was tough to tell. But I'll tell you, it's a Pac-12 conference that really Utah is clearly the best team between the North and the South. I can't say it was the strongest league this season from top to bottom. And Oregon kind of played that way. But at the same time, at the end of the day, just win. You know, you, you, I know you've seen games like that during the season, whether it's with a Tulsa or whether it's with somebody else or a, a UAB, where you just go, you know, get to the next week and get to the next week. And that's kind of what Oregon did this year. And uh, they're hoping to be able to get it back together in this bowl game. Travis Dyes, the guy that jumps off the page for you offensively. What has made him so good for you this season? Uh, he's just a steady Freddie workhorse. You know, he's not going to wow you, Toby, with any type of speed uh, to run away from you. He's not a big guy. Uh, he just is one of those blue-collar dudes that shows up, and he'll run it 15, 20 times a game. He'll break tackles when he shouldn't break tackles. He'll make little moves that you just have not seen very often. Uh, and then he'll catch – you know, five, six, seven balls out of the backfield. And he just is a steady, freddy workhorse, knows what he's doing, really dependable. I know Anthony Brown loves to go to him. He's Oregon's leading receiver uh, from a catch standpoint. And, and so he's a guy who's going to catch the ball a lot. But this offense is not built on big plays. It's built on grind you, get good first down yardage to set up second and four, second and five maybe at the most get the third and one and then just start all over again with three more downs and be able to bleed you to death type of situation. They're not a big play offense, and they've lost the big play capability, it feels like, with uh, Devin Williams opting out to the NFL and some of the other receivers being out with injuries and that type of deal. So it's going to really fall on an offensive line that's a blue-collar group, uh, a blue-collar running back back there, Anthony Brown, kind of a blue-collar guy at quarterback, and that's what they do. They just kind of do it, and they go about it, and before you know it, they've scored you know, 28, 31, 34 points and have played pretty good defense, and it's just what they do. But Travis Dye, uh, just one of those workhorse type of guys that I think a lot of people in that conference really respect. Great stuff. Uh, Mike Jorgensen, you can hear him along with uh, play-by-play voice Jerry Allen, Joey McMurray down on the sidelines. They'll be on the call tomorrow night across the Oregon Sports Network Jorgie, I appreciate it. I will see you hopefully uh, tomorrow night down in San Antonio. Yeah, I look forward to it, Toby. Thanks for having me on. Really appreciate it. Thank you, buddy. See you later. There you go. Mike Jorgensen, good dude right there. Former quarterback, one of the all-time great quarterbacks in Oregon history. Now uh, color analyst. We got we got two pretty talented color analysts going head-to-head in this game, TJ. One of the greatest quarterbacks in Oregon history and one of the greatest linebackers in Oklahoma history. That's some heavyweight uh, color analysis. Who's uh, ESPN bringing to the table here? Let's see. Uh, Andre Ware. You know, he had a decent career, too. He had too. a decent offensive yeah. career. There's some talent in the booth. We'll be back. Opinions. You've got them. We want to hear them. Sound off 24-7, 365 on the Air Comfort Solutions text line at 405-651-3439.
must be some kind of way out of here Say the joker to the thief I don't know if we really talked about it. Uh, I've thought about it, you know, obviously because it's, uh, you know, he's having a chance to come back and, and, and to lead our program again. Um, it, it's been very, and I've been close with Bob ever since. I mean, he lives less than a mile from me, uh, so we have the opportunity to spend a lot of time together uh, away from, from football, um, still with, with, you know, my wife and, and his wife, Carol. Um, but it's been neat to have him around the office all day long. Uh, it was um, it was a special week that I had the opportunity to to fly around all over the country with him and, and go visit recruits uh, in our commits and go into homes and go into schools with Coach Stoops. Um, I was definitely um, I, w I had a celebrity with me. I mean, it was unbelievable, you know. And and some of us, sometimes we take things for granted how special somebody is and and things that they've accomplished. Uh, but uh, everywhere I took him, I mean, it was definitely, I mean, the phone, the cameras are out and everybody's wanting to take pictures of him and it was a, it was a neat deal. But it's, it's good to have him back out there, you know, again, once you're a coach, you're always a coach. It's like riding a bike. It's not too hard. You know, you, you have your certain ways that you believe and, um, you know, you, you, you don't ever change those things. Take things for, what's the next word? Granted. Say it slower. Granted. Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah, I think he said granite. Think, take things for granted. And it had me second-guessing. Uh, like I think it's granted, right? Granted? Is it granted or granted? Granted. Take things for granted. It's, not, it's definitely not granted. That's not a word. Granted. Gra he said granite like granted. it's concrete. Grant for granted. I don't know if we were going to schools with Coach Stoops. Um, I was definitely, um, I, w I had a celebrity with me. I mean, it was unbelievable, you know, and, and some of us, sometimes we take things for granted. How granite, yeah, he says granite. Is he right or are we Is right? That, that's what I'm asking <laughs> you right now. Now I'm confused. <laughs> I think it's take things for granted. That's what I think. But, uh, yeah, supposedly, I, think I don't know. Granite. <laughs> Somebody will let us know it's right out there. How are you feeling about this game? I mean, I, we're gonna we're gonna hear from your gut tomorrow, but uh, you know, give us a sneak peek. How are you feeling? Sneak peek is you just heard from Oregon. I I, I don't want to uh, say too much because I don't want to give anything away, but I'll say that uh, things are comfortable right now. Comfortable. You know, um, Teddy has given the indication that practices have been going well. He feels like he sees an excited, plugged-in <laughs> football team. Yes. Sorry. What are you laughing about? We just got a text that said, it's granted, but I'm sure Cal owns a Chester drawers. <laughs> Yeah, sorry, go ahead. <laughs> he seemed he, he says it seems like he, they they're they're an engaged plugged in football team down there at practice. So that's encouraging. I do think they've gotten the better both teams have lost a lot of talent to opt outs and transfers. But it seems Oklahoma's got a little more left over. 
especially on the offensive side of the ball, like maybe they haven't been quite as devastated as Oregon has by that. Plus, you know, who knows about these latest, you know, illness or whatever's going on that's causing guys to miss practice. So I think from a roster standpoint, Oklahoma appears to be in a little better shape. It should have a fan advantage, maybe a significant fan advantage. I guess the only thing that concerns me is there's a whole bunch of positivity flowing OU's way. <laughs> like, <laughs> I've heard everybody saying uh, that they feel good about this game for Oklahoma, which tends to worry me a little bit. But uh, well, And we yeah, just got a text that says, do when do we ever hear practice is going poorly or bad? Well, we don't, we don't get in, you know. I right. mean, that's, that's a good point, I guess. But, like, Teddy hasn't watched a practice in, I guess, since Bob Stoops was head coach. So, yes, nobody ever says, like, coaches don't ever say practice is going bad. But this is a third-party observer. And I don't think if it was going bad, Teddy would say they're going bad. But it's just he has – I think when you get to a bowl game, one of the questions you always ask is, ask is who wants to be here? Who's excited to play the game, right? When you're trying to fill out that bowl mania card, who has more at stake here? Who's excited to play the game? Mm-hmm. If you're not in a college football playoff, then, you know, what are you playing for and who's excited about it? Well, at least the indication has been – from those that are watching this team and been around them, that they are plugged in and excited to try to go win this game for themselves and for Bob. So that's something, I guess. Maybe. Maybe it's not. No, it definitely isn't. It's definitely something that I think about when I'm picking games. And some of the changes in coaches and different uh, movement and stuff led me to how I selected some of those games. So eh, it definitely plays into it. The most concerning thing for me is what we talked about earlier it is with all the losses in the front seven of your best players and a team on the other side that is good at running the football, both at the running back position and the quarterback position. They average over 200 yards rushing a game. Uh, they got a back that has run for more yards and more touchdowns than Kennedy Brooks this year, and we know how good Kennedy Brooks has been. So... Uh, you know, and this is a proud program that went into Columbus, Ohio this year and won a game. This is not, I mean, you know, Oregon's not going to meekly walk into this game against Oklahoma. I mean, they they know what they're doing. So that that concerns me a little bit. I, I think if you are Oregon and you're trying to figure out how to win this game, the formula is a familiar one for OU. You look at the front seven. You look at all the guys they're missing and say, we're going to run the ball and we're going to eat the clock and we're going to consume time and we're going to shorten this game. And the concern there for Oklahoma is can you do anything about it? You know, you're going to have to have some guys like Reggie Grimes, Josh Ellison, Isaiah Coe, Danny Stutzman, David Aguebu, Marcus Stripling, some guys who have played secondary roles, not Secondary is the wrong word. There is a secondary. A guy who have played understudy roles step into starring roles in this game. And I think they will. I think they'll be fine. But there's an unknown there. 
We are uh, the text line's blowing up on us. By the way, um, someone mad it's, at us. It's for not over fun any of, of this football. No, talk. none of this. It's, it's about granite. This one or says granite, right? it's his accent. Accent. He knows it's not granite for the love. <laughs> and accent. then uh, a Kale's uh, accent. He's from Midwest City, and I'm from Mustang. <laughs> I mean, what's <laughs> is there a and then, massive difference between uh, sides of Oklahoma City? I thought I better get to this because it involves food, so I needed to alert you and the texter earlier about the Whataburger In-N-Out discussion. A couple of people from San Antonio and this guy's from Austin have both been uh, texting in about P. Terry's Burger Stand. I guess there's one in uh, Austin area, including the drive on I-35 at the Capitol Plaza, and then the guy from San Antonio, two or three. We've had two or three from San Antonio, or people already down there, maybe all sending in about P. Terry's Burger Stand. So I've heard about this place. So they're they're uh, legit, huh? That's what they're all saying. Yes. All right. Um. All right. Let's take a break. Chris Plank joins us to wrap it up next, and then I'm headed south. We'll be back. It's the Plank Show with Chris Plank and Josh Helmer. Weekdays from 9 a.m. till noon on your home for Sooner fans, the Ref Sports Radio Network. What's with this home is dissing my girl. What do they got up front? What did we ever do to these guys that made them so violent? Last segment, crossover brought to you by the Cleveland County Family YMCA. John Whitson from Brown O'Haver makes a good point. I do correct people too much on grammar, and it's a bad habit, and I apologize for that. its I didn't mean to do that there. I was curious when he said it, it made me second guess that maybe I've been saying it wrong. That's all I meant by that. I wasn't trying to rip on. You know who else yeah. is a grammar snob? Duck fan. Yeah. He corrected me once on social media about 12 years ago, and I still haven't got over it. Well. <laughs> What was it? <laughs> I don't remember. I think what you just texted a minute ago. I think I said I could care less, and he goes, couldn't. Yeah. And uh, I've been mad at yeah. Duck Fan ever since. So That one does make <laughs> me want to throw a brick through a window when I hear it. I don't know why. Chris, good morning. How are you? You ready to roll? Ready to roll, baby. Uh, in fact, that's the reason why I'm mobile on my phone this morning is because I literally, I'm in, no joke, Woke up this morning, had a couple of uh, XM responsibilities, and then as I'm getting ready to walk out the door, I realize I haven't packed. So, uh, sorry <laughs> that this is mobile. I had to throw everything in a suitcase. So, Oh, I, yeah, I clothes. Yeah, clothes, clothes. I, I might need a, a Sooner polo, or I might need my <laughs> – I don't know what the weather is like inside the Alamo Dome. I don't know if it's going to be freezing cold sometimes. That's how it can be inside Jerry World. So, I had to pack a little bit of everything, but I'm good to go. I'm ready for San Antonio. Let's nice. do this, and let's hope all the numbers and everything stay good for Oregon because it looks like we're left lane hammered down now. Yep, yep. I mean, uh, yeah, it's getting uh, what are they, 57. I saw what I saw this morning. They're down to 57 players, which, uh, I mean, it all depends on, you know, they want positions. To play. Well, yeah, right. it depends on if they're spread out or if they're all on one side right. of the ball or all that kind of stuff. So but. I have a dumb question in all of this. Go ahead. When, when is <laughs> how you say it cracks me up? When is the moment that they have to make a call as to whether or not they've got enough guys to go? 
I would say that final test. I mean, I think you could go right up until, like, if, if they're testing today for the last time or tomorrow for the last time, assuming that a chunk of this is COVID-related sure. and that test comes back that you lose five, six more guys or, or a, a position has been depleted beyond the point of being able to field a team, then then that's it. Mm-hmm. I mean, didn't we see a game canceled 24 hours before kickoff? Yeah. Uh, yeah, the other day? Hawaii Bowl. The Hawaii Bowl, yeah, Hawaii yeah that Bowl. was that one. Yeah. That was bad. Right. I mean, Memphis was out there and ready to roll. So. Man, let's not feel be... too sorry for Memphis about yeah, they got to being in Hawaii. In Hawaii right. practice <laughs> I feel a lot game. worse I think okay. if Hawaii had traveled to Memphis and was stuck there. <laughs> you know Memphis is good barbecue. Listen, That's positive right. vibes only, though, Toby. Positive right. vibes only. I feel good. I've, um, as, as late as I am rolling in today, it did kind of, you know, perk up my excitement level hearing you talk about, you know, the moment that this is for guys like the Danny Stutzmans of the world. You know, I think about some of those interior guys, right, the Isaiah Coes, the Josh Ellisons. Um, You know, I'm excited to see some of these guys get an opportunity tomorrow night. I really am. I agree, totally. Um, You know, and it, it, whatever you think of Alex Grinch right now, it will help them that they have rotated so much throughout True. the year. You know, that w- that was a point of major angst was just leave the starters out there. And maybe at the time that would have been the right call. But at least now it should serve them well that a lot of these guys have seen significant playing time and honestly in significant moments, like not oh, yeah. just scrub time or first halves or anything like that. Like a lot of these guys have been on the field in big-time moments of big-time games. Yeah. So uh, you know, hope, hopefully that will help them. You know, something that resonates with me quite a bit when I think about this season beyond just, you know, the finish of the Texas game was you go back to the final Texas offensive drive and but, but before they, they ran the clock out. But on a crucial play, you know, Danny Stutzman is out there at, the, uh, at, at one of the backers, Michael Will. You know, Billy uh-huh. Bowman's out there at the nickel, Latrell McCutcheon, is out there playing corner. You know, that was three. Was Ethan Downs on the field there, too? I think he, you know what? I think you're right. Uh, So you had four true freshmen on the field at a crucial moment. So they've been there in big moments. They understand it. They get it. And um, I, I think, you know, Gabe and I talked about this a little bit yesterday on our Big 12 show. But I do think that even, you know, offensively, there's a lot of people that are out here with something to prove. And that's something to prove is, you know, hey, we're, we're more than just Lincoln Riley. And there's coaches, you know, the Joe John Finleys yeah. and the Kale Gundys of the world that are, you know, we can put together a really good offensive game plan. So I'm really excited to see how that plays out. Chris, I'll see you in one hour. One hour. End of bells. The Plank Show will be mobile to San Antonio. Cannot wait. See you, buddy. Have a good show. See you, bro. Thanks to uh, Mike Jorgensen for joining us today. You find folks for listening as well. We'll do it again tomorrow live from the Alamo City. Have a great Tuesday, everybody.